Yeah. I wanna be a billionaire. Uh, I ain't getting no sleep nah. till I see a million every week. Yeah. I wanna be a billionaire. Uh, I ain't getting no sleep nah. till I see a billy every week. Uh, I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire. I wanna be a billionaire. Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of Sleepers for Billionaires, the podcast. I am your host, Johnny Vegas. Now, today, I got a very, very, very special guest on my show, ladies and gentlemen. You're in for a treat, so take some notes. This man is a legend in the R&B world. I'm telling you, he's been with the music group Midnight Star. He has his own projects out right now. He got the challenge sweeping the nation called Sabrina. The Sabrina Beat Challenge is going ham right now. So you guys get in tune with the record. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce Mr. Reggie Calloway. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Johnny Vegas. Good to be here with you, my brother. Always a pleasure, man. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. It's been, what, 24 hours? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the first time we get to see each other's face, so. Uh, right, you right. Know, you know, especially you know, since you live, you live across the street. I think I see you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, so, yeah, so it's good to have you on the show, finally. You know, I definitely want to bring you in because, you know, again, this show is about getting insider information from celebrities and entrepreneurs on how to become an industry professional. And you being a legendary musician, you know, you kind of lived a lot of people's dreams. But what I like about you even more is that you're still going. You know, a lot of people, you know, put a limit on their success or a cap, or I'm just going to do this for three years or whatever and then do something else. But you stood the test of time and you're still going hard, man. I mean, I mean, how, how do you how do you feel at this point? You know, after uh, uh, all the accolades you received and, still wanting to continue to create and, and be successful in this business of yours? You know, it's a challenge between keeping yourself pumped up and, and looking at your accomplishments and, you know, pat yourself on the back. But it's also that, that challenge to be ever humble because um, the accomplishments that I've made compared to, you know, people that I look up to, I feel like I haven't done much at all. When I look at Quincy Jones, I'm like, I'm like, I gotta get up awful early to uh, to mess with Quincy Jones or to, you know, like my dear friend Eddie Levert of the OJs, my big brother, I call him. You know, Eddie taught me that, you know, you gotta ride the waves, man. There's gonna be ups, there's gonna be downs. But if you're gonna be a lifer, then you just you just roll through. So so we're we're stepping every day to to get to uh, you know, the perfection of of just being a better person and doing our thing and working our craft and uh, and touching more people. We haven't touched the whole world yet. Uh, ironically, they just sent two of our songs into outer space. So, so we're doing pretty good. Yeah, we had the Freakazoid and I Want to Be Rich were sent to outer space and uh, and broadcast, you know, throughout the universe. So, so now that that's a, we're getting there, right? <laughs> right. I was gonna say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, 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 let's let's bring that back a little bit because you just kind of said that so loosely. Like, yeah, it's in outer space somewhere. How is that even possible? Yeah, I got a a call from. Uh, one of my associates at, at Sound Royalties, and uh, she has all these great contacts. And uh, she says a friend of mine they're they're doing a space mission, and you know they're getting collecting songs to to broadcast and to take on this ship. You know, would you like to have some of your songs, you know, out there sitting over the MP3? And I got the certificate and everything to prove it that that they all came back and uh, the mission was a success. So uh, this is just a it's, it's incredible. I mean, it, it never stops in terms of the amazement of what music can do. You know, you touch the world, now we want to touch the universe. 
So I right, thought right. the Fruit Resort would be the first song to go because that's our out of space song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That song was out of here. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool, man. Let me ask you. I mean, do you still love music, or as far you know, as much as you did in the beginning? You know, that's really funny because I definitely love music, but uh, my love tends to be what I love. You know, it's like you. Uh, certain songs represent certain times in your life. And, uh, you know, you're searching for that feeling all the time. You know, certain songs like uh, Smokey Robinson's Tracks of My Tears, when he wrote, like a snowball rolling down the side of a snow-covered hill. Then I said, oh, I want to be a songwriter. You know, that's like, that's poetry uh, and imagery you know, in, in, the, in the greatest standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then there's certain songs like uh, Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring, it just got me through college. It just re- relaxed me and just, uh, you know, whenever I needed to just chill, I could put on this amazing music uh, recorded by Hubert Laws, a, a great legendary jazz flute player, jazz and classical, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, my flute uh, idols, you know, when I play flute, I call myself a ghetto flute player because <laughs> Hubert Laws is a, is a serious master of many styles. Uh, but, but at the same time, you know, when you create your own vibe, Nobody can play like you. Like he can't play like me. Well, uh, because it's not me. But my my flute is a funky ghetto flute. So he had to lower his standards <laughs> to get into that group. <laughs> Even with Quincy Jones, uh, we talked about Quincy Jones. You know, idolizing him as a producer and an arranger. Uh, but Quincy Jones wrote that the one thing he would like to learn how to do is write songs, mm-hmm. and that's the one thing I do that he doesn't necessarily do. So. You know, we're all our own individual people. So when you find out what you're, you know, who you are, doesn't mean you can only do one thing. It just means that, hey, this this one or two things you do are very, very special, you know, because it's your voice. If you're a singer, uh, you know, you're not trying to sing like Teddy Pendergrass. You shouldn't be. You're not trying to sing like Luther Vandross. You shouldn't be. You want to be uh, as a, as good as them in a certain kind of way. But you could never out sing Teddy at being Teddy. And I've heard people say that I'm as good as Teddy Pendergrass. I'm like, no, Teddy can just talk and blow you off the stage. <laughs> so <laughs> let alone sing. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I hear you, man. Yeah, I never. I, I, it's funny how it, you know. It's funny that you mentioned that. I was scrolling through Instagram, and uh, rest in peace to Pop Smoke. He was a, a a young rapper, man, very talented. About 20 years old, he got murdered out here in, in Los Angeles, but he had a promising career. But going to uh, wanting to sound like the, the greats, you know, there was this uh, newcoming artist I was scrolling and he sounded completely like the, the late Pop Smoke, you know, as the cadence, the voice, the type of beats that he rapped off. So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, why would you want to be the next Pop Smoke? Why not be the first you? Yes, yes. But, you know, uh, imitation is, uh, you know, the best form of flattery. But I always was taught and I always teach people to pick your favorite three to five in whatever area that you want to pursue and study them, emulate them, copy them, you know, learn everything about them. But when you put them all together, that five becomes one. And then then your you personifies it to even the next level. So if, if you just copy one person, then then uh, you know you're gonna get stuck. You're gonna always be the limitation. But but you know, for me. Teddy Pendergrass, Luther Vandross, Marvin Gaye, 
uh, Smokey Robinson, you know, so I, I got I got my lifts and that's just an R&B. Then you got to go to jazz with the uh -huh. Mac and Cole and, you know, people like that. So uh, when you have a lot of favorites, then you it tends to turn into to you after a while if you uh, allow yourself to to breathe through it and to get into it. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I totally agree. One hundred percent. Let me ask you, what do you want people to take away most from you know, your journey or your legacy, you know what I'm saying? What, what, what do you want them to learn from you the most? I think one of the things is, uh, is to, to be a leader, if you're a leader, and if you're a follower, be an awesome follower. You know, if, you, if you're that second man or whatever, you're that backbone, be, be awesome at that. And if you're a leader, you know, step up. Uh, a lot of leaders can tend to complain about this start this way, I can't do it that way. But if you're a leader, you, you create a new way. You find a path, you make it happen. You bring people along with you. You bring that number two and number three and you make them stronger. Just like Michael Jordan did with the Chicago Bulls, you make your team better. So uh, I to, to to be a leader, to help uh, you know progress this movement of, of life and this movement of music. But also to be a great follower that uh, you know supports all the organizations that I belong to, from from Maris uh, to the Grammy Awards to uh, the California Copyright Conference. I'm on the board of directors there. I'm on the board of directors for IFR, dealing in neighboring rights around the world. Uh, board of directors of the Funk Hall of Fame. Mm. Uh, so these things are, are and on the board of directors for the American uh, Archives of African American History at Indiana University. So being an educator and, and being a supporter and being someone that's building these things up, but also trying to lead it to the next next path, the next generation. Mm. That's amazing, man. And uh, I, I'm, we're not we're not just gonna uh, disregard those uh, plaques behind you right there, looking just all spiffy in the background. I love it, man. <laughs> Put a little light on them. <laughs> <laughs> I see you got the light right on them, so we can see them. That's amazing, man. Oh man, I love it. I love it. So um. So I know, I know when, when we spoke offline, you know, you had a new, a lot of new up and coming projects, you know, catered to, uh, you know, educating the future generation of musicians. Can you talk to us a little bit about those new up and coming projects and, and, uh, and the purpose of their, uh, you know, their being? Yeah, well, I've, I've always done that in terms of, uh, you know, back in Cincinnati, you know, music seminars and songwriting seminars and uh, workshops. And because I came from a, a time when there were talent shows and a time when there were uh, nightclubs that would let a 15 year old perform, you know, with, with grown, grown people and, and make music. And that was taken away and changed. So, so we've always been fighting to, uh, to, to create uh, these opportunities uh, as well as our, our mother was so instrumental in, in uh, supporting us in all those activities. And uh, we've been you know, even giving away scholarships from, uh, from our midnight star days to, uh, to different students and that just carries on, but right now we're in a we're in a whole different uh, atmosphere to where you don't have to be in that city. You know, we can do things online. Uh, you know, new opportunities are open up, opening up. You know, uh, YouTube, Zoom, lots of different ways to reach people. Uh, and now the brand new Clubhouse, and uh, it's always changing every day. So taking and embracing the modern day market, I'm going to take some of these same concepts, and now not only reach the people in your city but reach people all around the world, you know, through these projects. So, so we want us to, to continue to, to, to educate, teach people about the, or should I say share 
with them, the behind the scenes of the music industry, the things that people, uh, that's not in the books necessary, and no one wants you to almost know, but they need to be said. And the more artists that are prepared and, and weaponized with this knowledge, you know, they can protect themselves and, and protect their longevity. So uh, looking at ways to, to create that uh, course, so that, that school, that's not the design, and trying to share things now while we're here, as opposed to waiting until you know, we're gone and you're trying to do it. But uh, another thing is a, a book on the art of songwriting that'll be coming out very soon. Uh, that's one method, turning that book into a course. And uh, as we talked about offline, creating courses that would uh, give people that, that knowledge, that support, knowing that they're not alone, that everybody's dealing with similar situations and that, that's empowering. Right, no, I agree 100%. I think that course is going to be so valuable, especially coming from a legend like you. I'm sure you've been through all the ups and downs that the industry has to offer, I'm sure. Um, can you highlight any of the uh, potential pitfalls that artists uh, should look out for, you know, getting into the music industry at, at this time, at this day and age? Yeah, well, you know, we've, we've, we've paid some dues, of course. The ups and downs, we were protected against a lot of them. You know, my mother, Gloria Larson, who was uh, also co-manager with Midnight Star, you know, being with me, of course, from my birth and through every band I ever, was ever in, she was always able to uh, instill wisdom and knowledge because she came from the business side of, of, of the school and she was a, a business owner as well. But, um, you know, one of the basic things is, you know, when you, when you do that first contract, you know, never do a music contract without a music enter entertainment lawyer. You know, a lot of people think, uh, well, I, my friend, my cousin's a lawyer and he'll do it for me for free. And right. you don't want to get a personal injury attorney. Yeah. Look, at you you have personal injuries if you get a personal injury attorney. <laughs> 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 because the, the nuances of the contracts are geared towards uh, common practices of the time and they change over time. I mean, like, you know, years, you know, not many years ago, there was no digital performance. Right. So. I was looking at a contract the other day and, and uh, the whole digital aspect wasn't in the contract, letting me know that he had some old contract that uh, you know, you're trying to resurface, whereas things are changing every day. I mean, there's new organizations and new uh, forms of income streams that have to be put into these contracts. For example, sound exchange, uh, barely 10 years old, and now it's a, an intricate part of a recording contract to make sure that you're getting your sound exchange money and to make sure if you're a producer, that now you have a, a means of getting paid through this new entity that did not exist. So yeah, get a entertainment attorney to review your contract. You know, uh, part of that knowledge is, I'll give you number two is, if you're a songwriter, understand that you're also a, a publisher. Uh, people don't know oftentimes that the publisher is the one who owns the song and controls the song, it's not the songwriter. Uh, so, but as you write the song, you are the publisher, but you can give it away, you can sell it, or you can have it stolen from you just by not putting your name on the paperwork, you know, and having it turned in. You know, my very first record, uh, we didn't know what a publishing company was. You know, we're, you know, college students, we should have known, uh, but you know, nobody's telling you about that. So. The, the guy that was helping us make the record, he said, you, don't worry about the publishing company. We just run it through my publishing company. <laughs> ah. That's code for I'm going to get half the money and I'm going to control the song. You know, we're like, wait a minute, we better look this up. That's, that doesn't sound right. 
But, you know, in the old days, you know, the publisher was this smart building or business that could do more with your song than you could do with it. So they wanted to own half of it for that knowledge. And a part of that knowledge is true, but you have to know what you're giving up and what you what you're dealing with, you know, because you can you can sign your life away to somebody who do, who knows nothing, has no contacts, or you could be dealing with one of the major companies and you decide what what piece of uh, the action you're going to pass on. Gotcha, man. No, yeah, I, I, I definitely appreciate that information, man. I had to learn it myself, you know, when I was, um, you know, buying beats from random producers, you know, I didn't know what the difference between buying a lease beat or exclusive rights, let alone publishing. So, you know, over time I got to learn, you know, the, that information and, you know, bought my own company, uh, my own publishing company through BMI. So now I own my publishing through the, you know, through that performance rights organization and they pay me the royalties and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's always valuable to learn. You know, I actually read a book called um, Everything There Is To Know About The Music Business by Donald Passman. And, um, you know, it gave, it gave me a lot of insightful information on that. So guys, if you're tuning in, make sure you get that book from um, Mr. Donald Passman. You know, it's, it's a great book. And he's, he's still uh, active as a, as a music attorney, represents one of my dear friends. Uh, not to mention everybody else he represents, but yeah, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Definitely, man. Okay, okay. So you got the song Sabrina out. You know what I'm saying? First of all, what is, who inspired that song? Who is this Sabrina? <laughs> well, Sabrina is the uh, the mother of two of my children. Mm. And, uh, my former wife. Uh, but in, in creating the song, you know, I... I'm a big fan of Sade. And I had this this idea of, you know, creating sort of a male Sade. You know, she wrote a song about me, right? Smooth Operator. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that 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 kind of uh, hypnotic uh, international groove. And once I uh, laid the, the baseline for that groove, then it was a matter of okay, what now? What I'm going to talk about? What am I going to write? You know, and I, it felt like it should be about about a lady. And uh, Sabrina was the first thing to come into mind, but I said, okay, I'm gonna try some other things. I'm gonna try this name, that name, this name. But it always came back to Sabrina, the way it, it married itself to the track, the, uh, the essence of it. Uh, and even when I, when I hear the guys doing the, uh, the challenge, you know, when they hit that, that name, that word, it's like, it's like why, was, why is that so magical? And it is, it just is because in songwriting, you know, I, I deal with the syllables, you know, certain syllables have a sensuous feel to them. Certain syllables roll off your lip. Certain syllables lead to the next word. You know, the uh, the way that you, you slur them together, you know, it creates a vibe. You know, a staccato creates one kind of vibe, which, you know, hip hop rap is more of a, a staccato, you know, dot, 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 dot. And then you have other things where, where uh, Marvin Gaye is just flowing. So when you put those all together and you put words to it, it's, uh, it's magic. So, so, uh, so, so the, the name Sabrina stuck. Now was about the story. I knew I wanted it to be a, a romantic fantasy, you know, not uh, not dealing in everyday life, but a story that that rode along this camel ride, you know, through the desert. You know, just yeah. my imagination just going crazy, uh, and it ended up being about a uh, a balladist singer, which could be considered me, who meets a uh, a princess queen, which is Sabrina, but she's mm-hmm. young. They're both young, 
And, uh, but because he's a biologist singer traveling around the world, taking ship after ship after ship, different countries and different lands to spread yeah. local music, you know, he has to leave and they don't meet up again until, uh, well, the video tells a story. They meet up again many years later at an international event. So you have to see the video on YouTube, uh, Sabrina hmm. video and uh, take, take that ride with us. Did, the, uh, did Sabrina, your, your ex, hear the song? Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. She always, thoughts. She always said, that's, that's not, said, when are you going to write a song about me? That's not about me. <laughs> I had to explain to her, I said, all the songs I've written probably been about you, but this one in particular is a, is a fantasy. It's, a, it's based off of reality, but it's, but it's twisted just enough to, to make it a, an international story as opposed to uh, you know, just a, a one-on-one story. And after a while, she got it. She understood, you know, the, the, the symbolisms and, uh, you know, the difference between the meeting across the table as we met or meeting in an African village, as the song talks about, or mm-hmm. as, uh, you know, uh, you know, falling, falling in love at first sight, which, you know, when I first met her, it was like, what's your phone number? It was a rap. That's all in the song. And then, then having to go on the road, you know, most of my life was, uh, has been on the road as an entertainer. So that part is, is very real as well in terms of, you know, you, you have to go to, uh, to do your job. If you're a doctor and it's four o'clock in the morning and there's emergency surgery, you, you got to go. You know, if you're a, a police officer or a soldier and there's something going down, you have to go. So with, with songwriters and entertainers, you know, we have to go and do that. I got you. Oh, that's what's up, man. If you don't mind me asking, you know what what happened between you guys? Because when I hear the words of the song, like me and my girls jamming to it last night, you know, she loves that record. She actually busted in the bathroom while I was playing it. She was like, "Who is this, Sabrina?" And I was like, "That's <laughs> so the song." You to tell her, huh? right? Right. You know, but um, but yeah, man. But I could hear the words and the way you singing it, man. And it's just, it feels like, like you still love her. So I just wanted to know what, what happened, man. Where did it go? <laughs> I think I think there's always love for people that, that are that are in your life, especially her being the mother of, of uh, two of my children. She's family, so uh, right. it's uh, it's love love for forever, family love forever. But as a relationship, you know, you uh, you, you go through stuff. You know, you uh, sometimes you can can weather it, and sometimes uh, you know you're better to be uh, to be more more distant. And I think it worked out that way way for us. We're like uh, definitely good, great best friends now, and like I say, family. So there's uh, nothing nothing but love there. Uh, and uh, you know, being in love with the idea of being in love is a is a great power. Believing in love, we, we wrote that song also for Teddy Pendergrass. Believe in love, <laughs> remember oh. that. But yeah, so uh, I think you know you meet certain people in your lives and. You know, you're looking always for that, that that perfect love, but love itself is is perfect. But love is an action; it's not just a, a noun. That means you have to love every day and make choices that are based around that that love, as opposed to just being emotionally, you know, craving something. You know, you're actually giving something. You're giving time. You're giving energy. And I think you know, one of the biggest things is just growing. Growing together, growing at a similar time, but uh, you know, for me, I had a—I take my blame. I had a lot of growing to do from being an artist. You know, we're—you uh, know—we're we're, we're into our work. 
uh, we're very, very young at heart. We can be irresponsible, you know, so uh, growing, I'm, I'm a much better person uh, today for a lady than, than I was, you know, in my younger days. <laughs> you, you hopefully, you hopefully you grow. <laughs> right, right. Nah, I hear you, man. I, I kind of miss the love in the air, like in the early 90s, you know, that's my era. You know, I was born in 1985, but I didn't fall in love with music until I, I was like in maybe 93, 94. And then that's when I started really kind of hearing the music and, and knowing what these songs meant and how they made people feel. And when that R&B was in the air, it was love everywhere. And it was okay to be in love and love was at the forefront. It wasn't guys now, you know, calling women bitches and pimping hoes and all. I mean, there was some of that. Some of that's even okay, I guess, you know what I mean? But it's just, I felt like, I guess maybe in the late 2000s, early 2010s, it kind of lost and then it became something else. So it took the R&B and the love out of the equation as far as it being in the air. So you don't see it anymore now. Do you think that will ever come back? You know, because people usually say music goes in cycles. You know, if one thing is high for a while, then the next thing comes and the next thing comes and it goes right back to the originality. So do you think R&B and the, having the love in the forefront of music Will ever come back to the forefront of just this music industry as a whole in the sound? Yeah, I think it will. I was so amazed. Uh, you know, you and I were in a, in a clubhouse with uh, with 10K. 10K in the morning. In the morning, throwing him a shout out, mm-hmm. and it was just amazing to to uh, when they played Sabrina in, in the room. Even though we, we couldn't see anybody's faces, the voices and the, the expressions were were as like. This is something fresh. This was like we don't get this. It was almost like we never heard this before, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> it's, and it's you know it's it's, it's a old old for us, but it's so brand new for them, and they just embraced it. And then when you hear people reinterpret it, uh, you get a whole nother vibe, which is what the challenge is so fun about. You know, we, we we get to talk about that. Everybody gets to flip it a different way because it goes through stages, but the stage is coming back around to where uh, we're getting back to melody because. You know, you can use any beat, but it's the, it's the melody and the lyric that that holds. Yeah, I was it. gonna say the melody and, and the substance. Yeah, because you could take a, a great melody. I mean, even most a lot of hip hop songs that sample great melodies, you know, that's a, another evidence that even though you have this rap going on, then also this classic melody comes in, and and it it sticks even harder to you. It's like glue, but. Uh, Barry Gordy always said that uh, Barry Gordy of Motown always said that music goes in 20 year cycles. And uh, when you've been around long enough, you find that to be true. So a new cycle is coming back. What, what happened was <laughs> when the uh, rap and hip hop came on so strong, you know, and the guys wanted to be macho, they didn't want to be, you know, they, they rejected the nineties singers and, and they rejected, yeah. you know, us from the eighties and the seventies and you know, everybody wanted to, to, uh, to, uh, to emulate what was getting fresh, you know, coming from the street level, then we always had a saying that the next Luther Vandross was rapping. He wasn't trying to sing. He was uh, trying to rap. You know what I'm saying? This yeah. guy's got this incredible gift, but but he just threw it, threw it aside uh, because something else he was looking for. So I think now, you know, singing is coming back. But what has to uh, match that is the song, is the songwriting. And, and that's why I'm writing the book about songwriting. It's around the 20 mistakes that most songwriters make, uh, is, is the uh, sort of the subtitle. 
Yeah, my- yeah, no, I can't, I can't, I can't wait to read that book, you know, because I hear a lot of songs and I can always, you know, me being in music and, you know, kind of practicing on my own songs as far as arranging it and, you know, things like that. You know, a lot of people don't even know what arranging a song entails. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of mm-hmm. bringing that, shining the light on the little steps in between when it comes to professionally writing a song. I think it's great. I think it's valuable information people need to, uh, you know, take take advantage of, you know, especially if music is what they want to do beyond it being a hobby. Um, but like going to that that Sabrina challenge, man. You know what I'm saying. So tell tell us about that. Tell us about you know the 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 goal for the challenge itself. You know, I know the reward that the the artists get and the goal for them. But what is the goal for you with actually starting this challenge? The goal is to um, to continue to reach more people and uh, you know share the music with them. You know, share the the story and let them express themselves, you know, to see different interpretations. But it's, it's amazing, you know, we had one guy do his, uh, well, we can talk about our, our first winner, uh, Talakai. Talakai. Talakai in the house. You know, what what he did with it, uh, you know, by making it, uh, you know, more more hip hop, more uh, today's R&B. More modern. Making, yeah, making it the, the, the lyric uh, more cutting edge. You know things that we wouldn't sing about in my days. You know we wouldn't sing about. Uh, I won't even mention what it is. But it's not that bad. He's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but but much much. I mean, we did we did Freakazoid. You can imagine how risque that was. <laughs> right, right, right. But I was careful to write every single lyric to not be you know crossing the line. Uh, we use double entendres, meaning that if you want to hear it that way, you can hear it that way. If you want to hear it that way, you can hear it that way. You know because it's it's uh it's clean the way it's, it sits. But anyway, to, to hear those different interpretations and to uh, to identify new talent. What's uh, what's missing in uh, so many songs is is the hook. You know, everybody can do a beat, everybody can rap some bars, but but where's the hook? And the hook is the one that locks the crowd in, you know, for centuries. You know, so with with, with the Sabrina Challenge, they they already have a hook. They already have a beat. They can fatten the beat. The beat didn't even need to be fattened with, with the version. Right. We just, it's it perfect like, the way it is. Yeah, it was perfect the way it was. But but if you but if you wanted to like you know mash some stuff in there, you could definitely do that. But, but like I said, because a lot of people can make a beat, but can you make a song? So a song, the anatomy of a song, uh, we would say is, is, a, is a strong groove. We call it a groove. Y'all call it a beat. So a strong groove beat. And um, a killer hook, a killer concept, incredible lyrics, and an awesome melody. And a melody doesn't have to be all the 12 notes. You know, it can be one note, which a lot of hip hop is just on one note, or it could be, uh, you know, three or four notes. So it just, you know, do, 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 that's, that's three notes, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> Mary had a little laugh, little laugh. So it doesn't take a lot of notes, but you, right, if right. I sung the melody for that song, do, 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 you would know what it was, right? Without any words, that's what melody means. Uh, so you put words to it, then it becomes alive. You know what song that is, right? Right, right. But you don't know it came from a classical song <laughs> back. 
<laughs> back in, in classical uh, Baroque music. <laughs> I'm, I got the wrong time, like, but you know, those melodies are have been around for, for, for hundreds of years, some of them. And uh, it's called eminent domain, meaning that uh, it's passed a number of years and now it belongs to the, the world as opposed to uh, the writer who created it. So that's, that's a way of, of saving music and, and keeping it alive. Now, let me ask you a question. Going, going into that Eminem domain stuff is because I know when you copyright something, it's copywritten for a, a hundred years, right? Am I correct? You know the exact amount of years that is, but it's it's a it's it's your life plus uh, seventy five to one hundred years. We we'll, we we'll get the exact time on it, but once you die, then it's uh you know close to one hundred years after that that it remains uh, property of your heirs, and then it goes right, into right. domain belonging to the uh, to the public. Oh, okay, okay. No, because I was just thinking because I was interested in looking up you know songs that are. I guess coming up for expiration when it comes to copywriting and then, you know, taking up, taking ownership at that time, you know, but I was just wondering to see if, uh, you know, that was, that was even possible. You know what I'm saying? Like even with. Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a list of, uh, of those songs that you can, uh, I'm just breezing through here real quick to, uh, yeah, find that website. Let me know. Yeah. I don't know. It's trying to try to cheat me out of what I was looking up. Yeah, public domain is the proper term, meaning that it belongs to the to the public. Somebody, somebody, they're trying to give me too many commercials rather than just answering my question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get that all out. That's all good. Are your children are your children into music at all? Like, do they want to be musicians, or are they just like, uh, I'm doing something else, Dad? Well, I tell you, I, my youngest daughter, I, I I tried to give her voice lessons and uh, you know, get her into music. She was a dancer, following yeah. the dancer, and then uh, she told me, she said, Dad, I don't want to be a singer because because singers are always gone too much. She meant like that. You you always on the road and gone. She didn't want that kind of life. So that was, uh, that was interesting. It was very real. Then my, uh, my oldest daughter, you know, she writes songs and she's got a talent, but she never pursued it. She went uh, straight into the Air Force. She's now a master sergeant uh, in the Air Force. And my, my grandson likes music, but uh, not really pursuing it. But my son, uh, multi-talented as well, he does, he does music, um, video editing, uh, you know, art, uh, design. He's, he's, he's the renaissance kid. So, not much a kid right now. He's just turned 27. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Congratulations, man. That's hey, awesome. Hey, man. That's awesome. You watching, the, you watching the Grammys this Sunday? Yes, I'm going to tune in. I'm going to tune in and give it, a, give it a watch. Yeah. It should be a good year. This is a, I didn't put any songs in this year. This whole pandemic just, just threw me off. Because yeah. like, I told myself, well, I wasn't going to miss another year. You know, if you were, that's another good thing to know if once you join Naris, and then you can, uh, you can submit your own songs uh, to be considered. It's, it's a process, but it's possible. You know, so, you know, you know back when, you know, parking on the dance floor had, 
you know, outsold <clears throat> all groups that, that year, outsold Earth, Earth Wind and Fire even. Uh, you know, we weren't considered for a Grammy. And uh, if, if I knew then what I know now, you know, we would have been fighting for that uh, that position. And, and not only do you have to have yourself in consideration, but then you have to, you know, market it and, you know, a search for your, uh, let people know that, that you're out there. Because if mm -hmm. nobody knows in the voting uh, arena, then, you know, they, you know, they won't vote for you. They just vote for who they know. Right. Yeah. I got you. I got you. How, how has the pandemic kind of affected your business? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, I saw in the news today, you know, California is going to be opening up a bit, a bit more, you know, with the, with the gyms and the theaters and restaurants and stuff like that. They're going to start uh, opening that back up here soon. But how is that, how did, did the pandemic affect your, your life in, as a whole, you know? From the, uh, my life now is on, on two different sides, the business side of music and also the uh, entertainment side. So on the business finance side, you know, our, our company, Sound Loyalty, we, uh, we're like a private bank but with much more flexibility. And what we specialize is, is making advances to, to artists that are receiving royalties. So that allowed us to really reach out and try to help a lot of artists. In the, in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, concert tours began to get uh, canceled to a point where they were all canceled. And a lot of people that were depending on this income were now, you know, before uh, the different uh, government assistance, you know, right. really, really stressed. And um, so we offered free, no cost advances to mm -hmm. many of our, our clients uh, to help out in that period. And then we, you know, we did special other pricing that made it, you know, a lot appealable. But to be able to have a person receive income today from their future royalties is a powerful thing because they can control their present lifestyle or they can invest in their own business, reinvest in their, their own career, you know, uh, build, sign other artists, put out their studio, whatever they want to do with the money. So uh, that part has been awesome. I'm based here in Los Angeles. So I was not able to uh, to meet with people in person, uh, but we, you know, we can still do the Zoom calls and the calls and be there with that financing and funding. Uh, so on the artistic side, you know, once again, myself, I wasn't doing any concerts and, you know, not traveling and not taking that risk, but it, it allowed me to, uh, to slow down and, and focus on uh, new music, getting the music out there. Some of the old music, some of the brand new music. Uh, my brother and I released a song called Politics in, uh, in 20 to assist with motivating people to get out and vote. And it, it did really well for us. 150 million people voted. We just take it just a little bit, just give us just an ink of, inkling of uh, attention there. So we call it our biggest record of all times. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, just but that was really powerful to you know to do songs that uh, that mean something to your heart. You know, it's not about the, the next hit record. It's about spreading messages and creating feelings and creating vibes and uh, giving people a whole place to go. There's a lot of uh, R&B music lovers that feel disenfranchised because they can't really hear the music, they can't hear the new music, uh, or there's, uh, you know, the internet has made it all accessible, but a lot of people are not, still aren't streaming, 
But by the end of the decade, you know, 80 to 90% of the world will be streaming. So it's going to be a, a very lucrative business with streaming. So, you know, you, you can put in Johnny Vegas and, and hear all of his music all in, all in one place. So not only do we want to create a place like that, that you can hear all of Reggie Calloway's music, but to be able to hear all the Breeze Styles music, meaning all of the smooth R&B music that you want to hear in one place, one community, you know, where you can buy your hats and your glasses and your, and your alligator shoes and whatever you want to do. Take your <laughs> That's my ultimate goal is, is to build uh, to build that, to build Breeze Style to the point where it's a, it's a community that, that serves the community. Nah, man, you, and you're doing a great job, man, just by, you know, interacting with people, even with this challenge alone, you know, I, I feel like it's uh, getting the attention of the younger crowd, especially with the challenge, you know what I'm saying? The challenge mm -hmm. itself, it's a it's a young man's thing, you know what I'm saying? But when you bring in an old sound and making it fresh again, and now the fresh people are gravitating to it, it's just growing organically, man, and, I, and I'm loving, I'm loving watching it, you know what I'm saying? I'm loving that I'm a part of it, I just... Enjoying the ride, man. I think it's I think it's so awesome, man. Oh so, man, I'm I'm finding that I'm finding more and more outlets for it. You know, when I I just did a uh, a seminar with my alma mater, Kentucky State University, where I spoke to the music students and the faculty, and uh, it just occurred to me as you were saying that you know for for those students to be a part of our music by participating in the challenge. Right. It's like collaborating with somebody they never would have had a chance to collaborate with. You know, right. that's powerful as heck, you know, to put your, because, you know, this music may come out in, in other forms. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, you know, when I was in college, uh, I had the pleasure of actually performing with uh, with some greats, but one particular was Sonny Stitt, the heir apparent to John Coltrane and uh, one of like the number three greatest saxophone player of all time in the jazz era, but mm -hmm. to perform with him and then to have him come to our university with, with the invitation for me and the school to do a seminar and to actually perform with, with our college jazz ensemble. It's yeah. that same kind of thing. It's like we're, we're in the modern day, instead of you performing live with me, you're performing on this record and, and doing it your way. Nobody's even, like classical music, everything has to be a certain way, which is yeah. was hard for me. But when uh -huh. we do it freely, you express yourself the way you want to express yourself and and, uh, and let it roll. <laughs> right, right. As you should have, yeah. How's everything going with your health, man? <laughs> That's a, uh, my uncle used to say, don't get old. But <laughs> oh, another one, growing, growing old is not, is not for, for weaklings. Right. So, uh, but uh, no, it's, it's cool. It's, it's, uh, I'm just so happy to be, um, I won't tell my age, I might scare somebody, but but uh, when I look at, like I said, when I look at Eddie Levert, and I look at uh, even, uh, you know, Lionel Richie and all the guys and uh, and Charlie Wilson, uh, for, for instance, those are kind of, they're older than me, but they're in the, in the same kind of era. Uh, and I look at Tony Bennett, you know, mm. being almost 100 years old. Did he turn 100 yet? <laughs> Something like that. I, I know he's still on that stage. I know he's still on that stage. Still performing and still doing his thing. And that's, that's the whole thing is like, uh, can you still do your thing? And it doesn't have to be at the level you did it with when you were, uh, I would never do the choreography today that I did. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, but, uh, my, my, my pull of muscle. <laughs> yeah, but just, just to be able to do your thing. And, and like uh, uh, one of my dear friends, David Parker, 
Dave Parker, the uh, the Cobra, one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Dave, you say, Reggie, I'm, I'm envious of you, man, because you can you can sing and write songs all your life, but I can't play baseball, you know, all my life as a you know as a pro, and uh, so I'm really blessed to have chosen the right career because I was gonna play football, but I was too small, too slow, <laughs> too too injured. By the time by the time I was ready for college, I was already beat up. <laughs> You would have got signed and got put right on the injured reserve. reserve. Don't let him hit me no more. <laughs> but, uh, nah, that's awesome. Real funny story, yeah. real funny story uh, is uh, being in the Kentucky State University marching band. Uh, one year we got a chance to play at the halftime for the Cincinnati Bengals, mm-hmm. which is where I'm from, Cincinnati. So you're in a, there's the tunnel where the players come out. It's called the tunnel. So the marching band comes out at the same time, and we're, we're lined up, getting ready for the halftime show, and they're coming off the field. And these giants walk by me with the cleats on, they are extra inch tall. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, you mean I actually thought about playing football? What <laughs> was I even thinking about? <laughs> but then I saw uh, Archie Griffin, who's uh, he's about my height, and uh, I was at the uh, Reggie Williams' uh, wedding, and Reggie was a linebacker. He was he was huge, but but I walked so I, I'm walking down the line of all the best men, they you know guys from the team, and I say Archie, I said man, you mean I I probably, I probably could have played, but Archie's thighs are the size of my waist, <laughs> <laughs> so he just built low to the ground, right? And he he run fast as lightning. <laughs> so so it's safe to say sports wasn't for you. <laughs> not long term, not long term. Nah, I got you. I got you, man. Well, I want. I definitely want to uh, thank you for coming on my show today. You know, I'm definitely glad that you've allowed me to help you with your new endeavors, man. I look forward to doing a lot of great things with you and just seeing you the rest of the way. You know what I'm saying? And, and hopefully, you know, you helping me with my endeavors as well. You know, if I, before we let you go, um. You know, do you have any last words for, you know, these up and coming artists, man, that are just seeking guidance and are running around misguided, just throwing stuff on the wall, seeing if it sticks creatively, you know, and not, not, you know, not be, not uneducated. You know what I'm saying? Do you have any words of wisdom or words of guidance for them that they can kind of hold on to and, you know, take as law? <laughs> well, you, you definitely want to understand that it's a it's a grind over time. You don't just grind for six months and say, oh, I didn't make it. I think I'm going to give it up or even a year. You have to, uh, you know, meditate on this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do. Just so you know, any business that you start, they always say there's a three-year plan and a five-year plan. So if in three years you're still in that business, you know, you hope to break even, you know, in five years. So in a career, that's just the minimum. Mm. So if you, if you say, well, okay, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not willing to put five years into this, then perhaps you may want to try a little something else. But in that amount of time, you can become very, very proficient. You can go from being average to being extremely well, you know, in a, in a three to five year time when you uh, pace yourself and, and work yourself. But if you want to be an artist, you want to do everything that artists are supposed to do. Take lessons practice, study. The new thing is, is to learn the business. Mm. Learn the business side 
of what what the rules are and uh, where the money's flowing from. At Sound Royalties, we have a whole list of 50 income streams that you can find on, on our website, soundroyalties.com. You know, pull out those 50 income streams. Make sure you are lined up to, to start receiving all those because we're in a, a micro penny business. We used to be in a penny business. Now we're in a micro penny business, meaning, meaning that you cannot let anything fall through the cracks because that, you know, that $50 here, that $100 there might be the difference between your your rent that week or, or, uh, or getting kicked out. So collect all your money, know the rules. And, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't give up. If you're on the business side, then uh, spend all your time at, uh, at, at seminars, webinars, uh, read books, uh, talk to people in the industry, network. You got to network to meet people. That, that job that you're looking for at that record company is going to come from somebody who met you a year ago or two years ago. You know, or somebody you meet two years from now, all the dots, you know, they all come together and you never know where it's going to come from, but you want to be prepared. Uh, one thing I didn't tell my students at K-State was keep everything. Don't throw anything away, as my mother always said. You know, uh, you, you, you know what to throw away, you know, just junk throw it away. But keep a file cabinet of all your letters, all your contracts, you know, uh, everything that has to do with your business. And then keep track of your uh, memorabilia, you know, something that you don't even consider to be anything today could be very, very uh, valuable tomorrow. Right. The first Freakazoid shirt, you know, from being on tour is now in the uh, African-American Museum in Nashville, uh, just because luckily, you know, I, I held on to that one and didn't get away. But right. so many different things that will have value that if not value to the world, it'll have value to you. So, uh, so don't just move to the next house and just throw everything away. You know, keep those important things. Or, you know, keep them at your mother's house or whatever you got to do, because they will get lost if you don't. Gotcha, man. Well, thank you for the words, man. The wisdom, man. Like I said, I look forward to growing business relationship with you as well as a good friendship, man. And uh, thank you for doing my show today, man. And I wish you, I wish you have a great rest of your day. This has been another episode of Sleep is for Billionaires, the podcast. Once again, I am your host, Johnny Vegas, the great Reggie Calloway graces with our presence today. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Make sure you get you some of this good old merchandise we got on our website. Stay tuned for more episodes to come. And thank you for watching. Reggie, I'll definitely talk to you in a little bit, my brother. I'll give you a call in a little bit, all right? Yeah, you can reach me on all social media at Reggie Calloway or... Uh, I'll drop by the website, ReggieCalloway.com for any um, special emails or special information. Hear all the music all in one place. So we want to hear from you. Thanks, right. Make sure you download that track, Sabrina. It's out right now, streaming on all platforms. Sabrina by Reggie Calloway. All right. All right, my brother. Talk to you soon. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day, all right? Thank you again. It's all right. I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a million every week. I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a billion every week. I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire, I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire, I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a billion every 